Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk okay, Herbstreit is on the episode phone. Five. Here. 22 of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. The Air Sports Podcast. It is Monday, April 18th, 2022. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody had a great Easter weekend, and I hope everybody's ready for a loaded episode of the Aaron Tour Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know about today's show. So we're going to talk about. One, we are going to lead with something a little bit different, but this weekend we had the debut of the USFL, and I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to throw it out there. I just don't get why we keep doing these minor league football things. I'm going to discuss it. I'm going to throw some information at you that I think is actually going to blow your mind. For the third time in four years, we're trying spring minor league football. It is never going to work, and I'm going to tell you why. From there, we are going to switch gears, get to some hoop stuff. Uh, Amani Bates, former just incredibly highly touted high school player, was at Memphis this year, enters the transfer portal. I feel bad. We're going to talk about his future. Should he go back to college for another year? Should he find a G League alternative route as he is still a year away from being NBA draft eligible? And what does his future look like and why we need to stop overhyping high school players? Finally, speaking of high school players, we are going to talk about the number one player that is a junior this year, class of 2023, DJ Wagner, a fascinating recruiting story shaping up here as he was appeared to be a done deal to Kentucky forever. Oh, now it looks like he's going to Louisville as on Friday we got multiple reports that Louisville could sneak in the side door. I'm going to tell you how it happened. This will be just a fascinating recruiting story to watch over the next 12 to 24 months as the top high school basketball player in America was set to go to Kentucky. Uh, now he's a junior, so he's going to be a senior next year, this coming fall now could go to Kentucky's biggest rival. But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, you know, it's really kind of that weird time of year where kind of nothing is really kind of at the forefront of sports right now and everything's overlapping. This weekend, you know, we're starting to kind of wrap up the spring college football games. Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Arkansas all had their spring games on Saturday. Uh, a sport that I have grown to love, college baseball, is kind of really starting to ramp up. Yes, I saw Tennessee's coach, uh, t- Tennessee's uh, manager, whatever you call him, Tony Vitello, get thrown out for, for bumping into an ump this weekend. Obviously, the NBA playoffs are just getting started. We don't do a ton of NBA on this show. But on Saturday, 
We also got another sporting event uh, that I, I'm just about to go off on, and that was the debut of the new look USFL. Okay, you probably remember, you've seen the documentary. Some of you may remember the original league in the early 1980s. But in the early 1980s, people were looking for an alternative to the NFL, the No Fun League. They created this spring league called the USFL. It had moderate success. It ended up shutting down. We've all seen the documentary. And ever since then, we have been trying every so often to recreate interest in spring football and that interest has or that you know that that goal of recreating spring football has really ramped up over the last three to four years this is now the third year out of four that we have started an upstart spring league it never works and so forgive me for going on a rant that is probably going to blow out the speakers in your car right now because I just don't get it I just don't get why we keep trying the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So let's get into why my mind is blown that we are doing the USFL USFL this spring. Before we get into it, like, let me just say this in general about who I am, what I'm about, how I operate kind of as a human being. Okay. So one thing about me, I don't like to criticize other things that people are really, really, really into just because I'm not. I don't get people going on social media and yelling and screaming about how much they will refuse to never watch Skip Bayless or never watch Stephen A. Smith. It's like, if you don't like Stephen A. Smith, just don't watch him. You don't like Skip Bayless, just don't watch him. You, gotta, you don't have to tell the whole world that you don't want to watch anything. So let me give you an example from kind of everyday life. Right now, there is a, a big event in Los Angeles going on called Coachella, okay? For people who don't know, Coachella is this crazy, huge music festival. Uh, it takes place in Palm Springs, probably about an hour, hour and a half from where I live. It's funny, I was at the airport the other day, and they were literally sold out of rental cars, all because everybody's coming into town for Coachella. Huge music festival, hundreds of thousands of people, but I would say this. I cannot think of literally one thing on earth that I would rather do less than go to Coachella, okay? Uh, the idea, I can't think of anything that is more just not interesting to me than driving two hours into the desert, where usually even at this time of year it's 100 plus degrees, and standing in a big field with thousands of other people, no access to showers, no access to running water, and just listening to music all day. But at the same time, While that sounds like literal hell on earth to me, there are hundreds of thousands of people that are very excited to do that, and so who am I to criticize them? It's the same with sports, right? I know some of you guys love NASCAR. I know some of you guys love tennis. NASCAR just doesn't really interest me, but I get why you guys and girls might be interested in it, so who am I to criticize you? Listen, I'm the guy that watches college basketball all day every day from November to March. I'm the guy that follows the college basketball transport, so who am I to criticize anybody for having any interests that are not the same as mine? Where I do get tripped up, though, is with this idea of minor league spring football, because it's one thing to, for me to criticize something that people love that I'm just not into. It's quite another for me to criticize something that literally nobody wants but everybody keeps trying to shove down our throats because I think that this is why the USFL story is so interesting to me and why it is driving me crazy. This is now the third time in four springs and really the third time in three normal springs that we are trying to create interest in a minor league spring football league and every single year it's the exact same story, okay? Two years ago, three years ago, excuse me, 2019, 
the AAF. Remember the AAF, the Alliance of American Football? Oh, it's spring football. It's what everybody wants. Debuts the week after the Super Bowl. February 9th, because the Super Bowl was the first week of February back then. February 9th, everybody wants spring football. Yeah, that league went bankrupt like two weeks in and was completely out of business by the first week of April. It didn't make it two full months before going bankrupt. Then in 2020, we had the XFL. And of course, the XFL was trying to create the original XFL, which, oh, by the way, in 2001, created a lot of headlines. We all remember He Hate Me. And then you know what happened? The XFL lost $35 million in 2001, and they shut the league down after one year. So what do we do? We decide to recreate that exact thing that cost us $35 million 20 years ago. And what happens? The XFL starts with all this big bluster and this big grandeur, and we know we're going to lose money. Week one, over 3 million people watch this thing. Everybody, they're back in spring football. It's here. It's here to stay. By its final week, the XFL was drawing under a million viewers, 767,000 viewers to be exact, and then COVID hits, and then they end up shutting down. They can blame COVID, but the bottom line was this league was going into the tank. And so what do we do after that? We decide, you know what? Let's recreate the USFL because there is going to be interest in this one thing that we've tried to shove down your throat two springs in a row. Obviously, 2021, we weren't doing anything creative because we were just trying to get through COVID. So let's try it again to see if the result is different. I got a story for you. It's not going to be different. It's going to be the same as all the other leagues. And to me, the reasons why are so simple, right? I, I run my own business, Aaron Torres Online, Aaron Torres Media, whatever. If I keep doing the same thing over and over and losing money, at some point I got to realize I can't do the same thing. And so to me, the reasons why this will never work are so obvious. First of all, there's this notion that you can never have too much football. That's the biggest crock of crap ever. That sounds, that's something that sounds great to say on social media. It's not really the truth, though. Think about how much football that we already have. We have 17 NFL regular season games per team, 18 weeks in the NFL. We have four weeks of preseason before it, I guess three weeks of preseason before it now, 18 weeks in the regular season, and then four weeks for the playoffs. Not great at math, that's 25 weeks. Almost half the year from early August until early February where the NFL completely sucks up the oxygen of all things American sports. Many of you guys and girls listening are happen to be college fans. So for about 12, 13, 14 of those weeks where you're watching the NFL on Sundays, you're also watching your favorite college team on Saturday. Beyond that, with the way the world has changed, we now follow the draft more than we ever have before. This year's draft's not that great, but it's neither here nor there. We follow the combine. If you're a college football fan, you follow recruiting, which is a 365-day-a-year thing that you follow. There's high school football in your local community. The idea that we need more football simply isn't true. At some point, all of us get enough football, and then what we really look forward to is thinking about our team next year, thinking about the draft, thinking about the combine, thinking about recruiting. June is for spring camps, uh, you know, uh, camps on campus for your favorite college football program. The point being, yes, you can't have too much football. It's like ice cream. Everybody loves ice cream. Everybody loves pizza. You can't eat ice cream for dinner every single night. It's not good. It's too much. But you know what's worse than too much football? Too much 
bad football. And that's the part that I don't think anybody understands. This is minor league football with people that nobody knows and people don't care about, okay? The reason the original USFL worked many, many years ago, back in the 80s, is because they overpaid for the best players to keep them out of the NFL. And at the time, if you remember, players couldn't leave college early. They had to complete their college eligibility all five years, all four years, depending on if you were a registered or not. You could not go to the NFL before you completed your college eligibility. So what did the USFL do? They put a rule in place. You don't really have to complete your college eligibility. Come here, play for us. You can make money right away. That's how they got friend of the Aaron Torres podcast, Herschel Walker, Steve Young, Jim Kelly. They overpaid to get them in their league, and the league succeeded because they had players that everybody wanted to see. Well, now we have Aaron Rodgers making $50 million a year. We have Deshaun Watson with $200 million whatever guaranteed to him. Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford just got a big extension. Derek Carr got a big extension. Nobody wants to watch a league with players that they don't know. Even in college, people say, well, the product is so bad. But at least you have like a 30, 40, 50 year allegiance to that specific school. If you're an LSU fan, not only have you been rooting for LSU your entire life, your family's been rooting for LSU since long before you were here. Same with USC, same with Ohio State, same with Kentucky, same with Michigan. And so this idea that we're starting sport, you know, this league out of nowhere when there's already enough football, when you have allegiances to your favorite pro teams and college teams already, and nobody knows these players. That's the part that drives me crazy. Nobody knows these players. Nobody cares. And nobody is going to care. Nobody is buying a Birmingham whatever jersey because they saw so-and-so on TV. And so I don't mean to belabor the point. I actually want to get to some hoops. But to me, like I said, this is the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I just don't get it. Like I said, there's a lot of things in sports that just don't interest me, but I get it. I get why people are into NASCAR. I've been to a NASCAR race. It was awesome. There's the tailgating. There's the lead up. You get to know the drivers. You follow the drivers for 15, 20 years through the, the, the Xfinity races and then into NASCAR and then into primetime. Then they win Daytona. Then you celebrate. Then you come back next year. I get why people like NASCAR. I get why people like, I don't know, whatever. I, I get why people like college versus the NFL, college basketball versus the NBA. I get why people like the NBA that don't like college basketball. But I don't get this idea that we have to keep trying to recreate the wheel over and over again and convince ourselves that spring football does, is going to work. We have 20-plus weeks of NFL football. We have about 15, 16 weeks of college football when you factor in bowl games and, and uh, you know whatever, uh, the, the college football playoff on top of following in the spring, on top of following recruiting. We have enough football, and we care about the teams, and we care about the players. To be clear... I don't hope the USFL fails. Um, I know there's a lot of people working hard behind the scenes. I know people that worked at the XFL. I know people that worked for the AAF. If you remember a million years ago, we had Oliver Luck on this podcast. He was the commissioner of the XFL. I'm not rooting against people. I hope all the players in the league have a great season and they find their way to an NFL roster. But at the same time, we all know how this is going to end. It's funny, right before I started recording here late on Sunday, I saw a big headline, USFL opening day, over 3 million viewers. Yeah, this is what we do with all these leagues. 
We tune in for the first time for the novelty to see what it's like, to see what it's about, and then every week we lose interest. I didn't even mention, by the way, because in addition to our football teams, we have other interests outside of football. One, we have a family, and when we already spent 21 weeks on the couch on Sundays watching our NFL team plus our college team on Saturdays, you got to spend some time with your family at some point. Other people also just happen to care about other sports too. Like that's the part when people are, there's, there's never enough football. It's like, well, guess what? You can be a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan who also likes the 76ers. Well, this time of year, 76ers time. This time's Flyers time. This time's Eagles time. Um, you know, the same with whatever. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head who's in the NBA playoffs right now. Miami Heat, you watch the Dolphins all year. Now it's time to watch the Heat in the playoffs. It's time to watch the Hawks in the playoffs. It's time to watch the Phoenix Suns in the playoffs. So I don't mean to belabor the point, but I, 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 you know, I, I couldn't help but get this out. This is one thing in sports that I simply don't understand. I understand you guys and girls like some stuff that I'm not into. I understand that I like some stuff that you guys and girls aren't into. But I don't understand this idea that we have to keep recreating the same thing that is very clear that nobody likes. All right, my rant's over. Uh, it was a good rant. I thought it was a good, solid rant to start the show. This is what I want to do. I want to take a quick break. I do want to come back. And when I come back, I want to talk about Imani Bates, okay? Imani Bates, super highly touted former high school star, goes to Memphis, announces he's going to enter the transfer portal. I just feel bad for this kid. And I'll tell you this. I, I don't know what, the, what his future looks like. I think it's a fascinating conversation. We're going to come back, and we're going to discuss that next. All right, everybody, I am back. Going to be back, going to be back. I uh, do want to switch gears. do want to talk college basketball, and it's funny, right? I mean, I know I say every episode, yeah, we're talking portal today, and it's like I wasn't even really intending to talk portal here on Monday's episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast, but then on Saturday, something fascinating happened that I absolutely have to discuss, and that is that Imani Bates really one of the most highly touted high school players in the history of high school basketball, reclassified last summer, played at Memphis this year. Not yet eligible for the NBA draft because he just turned 18 years old. You have to be 19 to be eligible for the NBA draft. After one year at Memphis on Saturday, he announces that he is going to transfer. And you talk about a fascinating story about who this kid is, what the hype was about, what's next for him and really the bigger picture things we can learn about this, this is about as interesting as it gets. And so because of it, let's talk about it. Imani Bates, like I said, um, you know, I don't think it's hyperbole to say he's one of the most highly coveted, highly, uh, not, not coveted, but highly touted high school players in the history of the sport of basketball. Uh, about four years ago, summer of 20, I guess it would have been 2018, 2019, something like that, he emerges after his freshman year uh, and you have real credible recruiting experts, basketball people, saying that he is the best high school freshman that they've ever seen, that he is the best high school player since LeBron that they have seen. Uh, some are comparing him to a young Kevin Durant as a guy that at the time was six foot eight, six foot nine, uh, can can hit deep threes, has a good shooting stroke, all that good stuff. And the hype just really starts to build as that this guy is the next future face of basketball. 
2020 happens, the pandemic happens, he kind of disappears a little bit, ends up ultimately committing to Michigan State in what I think was basically nothing more than a chance for his dad to promote the prep school that he was opening, commits to Michigan State, plays the season, whatever, a little bit again uh, off the radar during that COVID year, and then it was really around this time last summer that he begins to play AAU basketball as a now player coming off of his junior year going into his senior year. And you start to realize, wait a second now, other players are catching up. That's not my opinion. I'm not criticizing him. It's just a fact. At a certain point last summer, uh, Jalen Duran ultimately surpassed him as the number one high school player in the class of 2022. Then Jalen Duran announces that he is going to reclassify and play at Memphis this year. And then it was right at that time. I remember two, three episodes of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. We were talking about it on this show. Was that Jalen Duran reclassifies and there's buzz that Amani Bates is going to join him. And at the time, what was crazy about that was it didn't really make sense. And it didn't make sense because, again, remember, you have to be 19 years old in the calendar year of the NBA draft to be draft eligible. And so when a player reclassifies, in other words, when they skip a year of high school basketball, it is to get to college basketball faster, do their one-and-done season faster, so they can get to the NBA faster. And so when you start to hear the Imani Bates buzz, I mean, I remember calling people and it really didn't even make sense because you're sitting there saying, well, if he goes to college this year, he's still got to do another year because he was only 17 years old at this time last year. He just turned 18 in January of 2022. So he's not eligible until the 2023 NBA draft. So it was surprising when you started to see this Memphis buzz and then bing, bang, boom, he ends up at Memphis in the fall. And it becomes this huge story, um, and it's a story that, that, that sadly didn't work out the way that anybody hoped. He got to Memphis. It was clear that he wasn't the player that he was touted to be. Some of it is on Penny Hardaway, I think, because Penny Hardaway tried to convince him that he could turn him into a point guard, and it just didn't work. By any tangible measurement, Amani Bates was pretty good for a 17-year-old playing college basketball, but the, the, the hype about the KD this and the LeBron that, it wasn't even close. Guy averaged seven points per game, three rebounds per game, one assist per game, uh, over two turnovers per game, shot 38% from the field, 33% from three. And unfortunately for Amani Bates, what became very clear was this. About the middle of the year, he goes down with a back injury. He, he leaves the team for a brief time to go meet with specialists in his home state of Michigan. And right when he decides to leave the program, he does come back and he is part of the program. But when he goes down with that injury, the program absolutely takes off. They go on their run. Memphis ends up in the NCAA tournament. And it was kind of crazy because I remember going into the NCAA tournament, I heard some kind of crazy stat that if you looked at the advanced metrics from the day Amani Bates stopped playing until the NCAA tournament, Memphis was like one of the two or three best teams in college basketball. So they clearly played better without him. He clearly wasn't living up to the hype. He did come back briefly for the NCAA tournament before Memphis lost in round two to Gonzaga. And then from there, it just kind of came down to what was Amani Bates going to do next? Because again, he was kind of stuck in a tough spot, not eligible for the NBA draft, didn't really play that well at Memphis. And so we all kind of knew coming into this year, he was probably going to be at Memphis for one year. And so on Saturday, he officially enters the transfer portal. And now the fascinating part becomes what happens next. Now, in terms of what happens next, I think there's really two kind of spots here, right? One, he could just transfer to another college. And we'll get to the pro option in a minute. But in terms of the transfer to the other college, like, I don't think it's as cut and dry as everybody thinks. Now, look, this kid is six foot nine. As a 17 year old last year, he did average 10 points a game in college basketball. And so somebody is going to take a chance on him. Somebody is going to see the talent 
realize what he is capable of doing, capable of maybe becoming, and somebody's going to take a chance on him. I don't know who it's going to be. We'll talk about schools in a minute. But I also think this idea that everybody's going to rush to the portal to grab him and everybody's going to be fighting over each other to get him, I simply don't think that's going to be true. And I hate to criticize a young kid. I hate to be too critical, but I do think that is the reality of the situation. I know he was only 17 years old, but we have some pretty conclusive data on who Imani Bates is, at least who he is at least as a college basketball player. He was a guy that when he was on the court, did not shoot the ball well, did not create for others, negative assist to turnover ratio, 33% three-point shooting, and oh, by the way, by the way, I'd add this, not very big, not very strong, body's not very mature, couldn't hold up in college basketball, gets hurt, and he doesn't make anybody better, he's not a, a takeover player himself, and so the question becomes, who is going to take a chance on him seeing that Memphis was a completely different team, really struggled with him, as opposed to when he was off the court. And that's, by the way, taking out the, the side stuff of the family and the parents and the this and the that, which we'll get into in a minute. But I, I don't know who's that interested. I mean, just, just think about these programs in college basketball, right? You know, I, I saw a list that came out on, on Sunday morning. I mean, let's just take some teams off the list. Kentucky is mentioned. They're the one-and-done school. Of course, they're going to want Imani Bates, even though he's not a one-and-done. Well, if Kentucky gets back Oscar Shibway, like... Why does Kentucky want Imani Bates? The one thing you don't want to do is take, take guys at this point that are going to take shots away from the biggest, most dominant co- player in college basketball. I saw North Carolina. It's kind of the same thing. Caleb Love is most effective when he has the ball in his hands. R.J. Davis is most effective as the, when he has the ball in his hands. So now you're going to add another guy that needs the ball in his hands? People, I, I saw him, oh, he's going to be a Brady Manic. No, he's not going to be a Brady Manic replacement. He's not going to come in and shoot 47% or whatever from three playing off the ball. North Carolina doesn't make sense. If you're Arkansas, I saw Arkansas in the mix. Arkansas's got three McDonald's All-Americans that they got to take care of. They got three McDonald's All-Americans that you got to get, you know, Anthony Black and, and, and Nick Smith are projected as one and done. Nick Smith is projected as a top five pick. You don't need to be bringing in guys that are going to take shots away from those guys. And so it's not to say that there are no options. I just don't think that the options are as good as people think. Now, off the top of my head, without doing any phone calls or getting in touch with anybody, because, again, respectfully, it is Easter Sunday. Don't want to bother random assistant coaches to say, hey, would you recruit Imani Bates? But you start to look around. You know, I I guess I could sort of see maybe Michigan with Juwan Howard in terms of the schools that might be interested. You know, I could kind of see maybe Michigan. Uh, They were one of the schools that was interested early on. Juwan Howard, obviously, with his NBA background, not afraid to recruit elite talent. But even Michigan. They seem to back off during the first recruitment. Uh, You know, they might have Caleb Houston coming back. I don't know if Michigan's a real factor. You know, Texas was one of the first schools that really pursued Imani Bates after he decommitted from Michigan State. Does Texas, they got two McDonald's All-Americans coming in in their own right. Do they want to mess with what's going on with their players? Do they want to risk upsetting the two McDonald's All-Americans that they're bringing in that they got to get to the league in one year so that they can prove that they can produce NBA players? So you go on and on down. I I don't know who that team is. Somebody is out there. I just don't know who it is. Um, But what I would also say is when it comes to Imani Bates, I do think that some of these professional opportunities, I think, should be appealing to him. Uh, And, you know, it was funny because on Saturday when all this happened, I saw two good friends of mine, two guys that I really respect in this industry, Rob Douster and Jeff Goodman kind of going back and forth talking about this. And I agreed with my buddy Rob, who I've known for years. I do think one of these G League alternative routes is probably what is best for Imani Bates at this point. Yes, he can go to another college, but guess what happens? 
if he's the same guy that he was at Memphis or just incrementally better, you know what that does? That immediately plummets his draft stock. He's on a stage every single week, two games a week, where we're watching him and we're picking apart his every move. So unless he goes above and beyond and is significantly better at the next stop than he was at Memphis, I think it's only going to continue to hurt his draft stock. Rob brought up the point of the G League option, again, because remember, he is not eligible to even enter the NBA draft at 18 years old. And I think Rob might be right on this. You know, I've made fun of the G League uh, Ignite program and all that stuff. But when I do look at the G League Ignite situation, what I do see is this. At the end of the day, it's a developmental program. Yeah, it was supposed to be this alternative pathway. And so at the end of the day, what it is, is it's supposed to be a place for players that don't want to play college basketball in the year between high school and the NBA where you go and you focus strictly on basketball. There are no NCAA rules on how long you can practice. There are no classes to go to. There is no online this. You go and you focus and you focus on basketball 365 days until you're eligible for the NBA draft. I think that might be what's best for Amani Bates right now. I don't think he needs to go to another college where he's going to be on TV two, three times a week. Everybody's going to be critiquing his every move. I think he's got to go somewhere where he's going to be off the radar and can actually work on the basketball stuff. I think he has to be coached by real coaches that have real NBA background like Jason Hart, who right now runs that Ignite program, former USC assistant who I think the world of. I think he's an incredible coach that's long overdue for either a college coaching job or an NBA opportunity if he's so inclined. But that's where Damani Bates has to go. And oh, by the way, you could be off the radar a little bit. We can make fun of G League Ignite. Nobody really watches it, but it's okay. For Amani Bates, that's what he needs right now. He doesn't need more spotlight. He doesn't need more critics. He doesn't need more social media hate. He needs to go somewhere that he's actually going to be better. And we'll find out in the coming days if Amani Bates goes anywhere. At some point, I'll do some homework on Monday, maybe put together a, a list of schools that could potentially be interested. But I think he needs to seriously consider going the professional route and just getting away from the grid. By the way, do not go overseas. Do not go play in Australia or Europe. Just go to the developmental league, man. Just go to the developmental league or stay in college basketball. Go play for a Juwan Howard. Go play for somebody that's going to make you better. And I'm not saying that the pro leagues can't make you better. I'm just saying you don't need to be going and playing against 30-year-old grown men fighting for everything, um, you know, uh, whatever. You get the point. I would send him to the G League Ignite program. I would have him work with Jason Hart and that staff there, and I would have him get better and better as time goes on. Finally, what I would say about Imani Bates, I want to I wrap on one thing, and, and it's kind of serious. I do think he should be the last example of what we do to young high school basketball players. I think it is so unfair, and I think it is so inappropriate for people in my business to compare high school basketball players to the greatest players in the history of the NBA. And I hope that Imani Bates is the last high school player that we ever compare to LeBron James or to Kevin Durant or to Kobe Bryant or to Shaq or to whoever. It is so unfair to a 14, 15-year-old kid. It is so unfair to their development, their growth, especially the world that we live in. And I really hope that Imani Bates is the last one. And what I would say is this. Look, look, like I get why it's done. I get that this is the world that we live in, especially in the media climate. I get, you know, I get called the hot take guy all the time, but here's the bottom line. I think most of my takes are pretty lukewarm. I think most of my takes are pretty lukewarm, but I think we live in a world where every single person feels like they have to be the first one to say, say this about whatever, and they have to be the biggest, strongest, boldest, right? We do it in the NBA all the time. I talk about it all the time. Every six months, there's a new superstar that's going to be the next greatest player in the history of the NBA, 
It was Jason Tatum at some point. It was Zion at some point. It's Ja right now. It was Luka at some point. Uh, it was Donovan Mitchell at some point. I already see the buzz building for Anthony Edwards. Let these guys develop. Let, let them put together like a track record for a year or two before you anoint them something that they're not. But take it a step further with these high school players. Abani Bates is 14 years old, and you're comparing him to Kevin Durant. That is ridiculous, and it doesn't even make sense. And, of course, I put that out on social media on Saturday, and I had somebody come back at me, uh, that's what we do. Every, every high school player, every college player has a comp. Here's the problem. There's literally one Kevin Durant in the history of basketball. Kevin Durant is seven foot one and shoots like 48% from three and can hit any shot on any spot of the court at any time. Why are we compare? You can't compare somebody to somebody that's one of one. There have been two players that look and play like LeBron James in 75 years of NBA basketball. Magic Johnson and LeBron James, that's it. We're probably not watching the third version of that at 14 years old. And so what I would say is, listen, I get a lot of stuff wrong on this show. That's why we do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Because I whiff on a lot of stuff. You guys should make fun of me because I get a lot of stuff wrong and I'm a freaking idiot. But for people who have listened to this show from day one, minute one, hour one, this is one topic I've been right on. Four summers ago, I had people in my industry traveling around the country writing profile after profile after profile on this kid. I said, stop doing it. We do this too often. We do this too much. It is not fair to the kid, and it never works out well. I've been doing this a long time. I can go through all the guys that were supposed to be something that never turned into what we hyped them up to be. Andrew Wiggins was supposed to be the best player since LeBron. Andrew Wiggins is a really good NBA player. He's not LeBron. He was never going to be LeBron. Same high school class, Jabari Parker was supposed to be the best high school player since LeBron. And people say, that's not true. There's a Sports Illustrated article with Jabari Parker on it. And they said they called him the best high school player since LeBron. Um, you know, you go back throughout history. I've used this example before. Lenny Cook, the number one player in the class of 2002, was he's league ready at 15 years old. He never played in the league. You know, there's a great book out. It's a sad, awful, depressing book about a kid named Demetrius Walker. 2002, 2005, somewhere in there. He's put on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 12, 13, 14 years old. The next LeBron, the next this. The, there is no next LeBron. LeBron is one of one. There have been two guys that look and play like him in the history of basketball over 75 years. There's one Kevin Durant. It's not fair to these kids. We have to stop. And Amani Bates, you could, I hate to say it because I feel like I'm criticizing him, but I'm not criticizing him. But you could see this coming. I remember talking about it at the time. Amani Bates had never played the highest level of AAU basketball until last year. We're calling him the best player since LeBron. He's six foot nine, playing against other 14-year-olds that are five foot eight. He never played Team USA basketball. He never competed at the highest levels of anything. He never went to a prep school where he was playing the best high school players on a night in, night out basis. And it was so unfair to him. And now he's in a situation where at 18 years old, just finished his freshman year, he has to transfer because he feels like it's not getting done at Memphis, and now he's either going to go to another college, he's going to go to the G League, whatever. But I just, I, we, we, we have to stop with this. And I hope Imani Bates is the last one. I really do, do hope he does what is best for him. Uh, and I really hope it works out. I really hope a year from now, whether he goes to another college and finds that perfect fit, or whether he does go to G League Ignite, or one of the professional options that he figures it out, all that. But man, oh man, we have to stop 
doing this to our high school players. It's not fair to a 14, 15, 16-year-old kid. And I hope Imani Bates is the last one that we do this with. Ironically, uh, I do want to take a quick break, and I want to come back and talk about the top high school player in the class of 2023, DJ Wagner, who is Dewan Wagner's son. And it's ironic because DJ Wagner has in many ways um, you know, the, the opposite upbringing of Imani Bates. The, the family has kept him very close to the, like it's very close to the vest. Not a lot of outside people can get in. He's been able to develop at his own pace. DJ Wagner, the number one high school player in the class of 2023, He's going to be a senior next year. You talk about a fascinating recruitment. His dad played for John Calipari at Memphis. It was a done deal to Kentucky until Kentucky's biggest rival came in. And this weekend, we got some real buzz that it could be someone other than Kentucky that ends up with DJ Wagner and probably the worst possible school could potentially get him. We'll do that. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and talk DJ Wagner. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. Good to be back. I do want to switch gears, and I do want to talk a little high school basketball recruiting. And it isn't often that I talk high school basketball recruiting on this show for obvious reasons. I think it's a little probably even too niche for this show, and this show is a little niche talking only college sports. But I bring it up because there has been a story over the last couple days that has been so big, so good, so juicy, so meaty. Oh my goodness, I'm getting a little funky here in how I'm describing it. But listen, what, what I say all the time is that, you know, I, I do interesting. I try to find the most interesting topics that you guys will care about that are fascinating to discuss and break them down on this show. And there hasn't been a more fascinating recruiting story in a long time than I can remember than the number one high school player in the class of 2023, a junior, a senior to be next year. Uh, once this graduating class finishes up in 2022, he will be the number one player in high school basketball, and that is DJ Wagner. DJ Wagner, the son of Dewan Wagner, the grandson of Milt Wagner, and has forever been considered a Kentucky lean because of his ties to his father, Dewan Wagner, who we'll get into in a minute. Well, all of a sudden, Kenny Payne gets the Louisville job. And there's increasing buzz that DJ Wagner could end up at Louisville. And on Friday, we got our first tangible reports that DJ Wagner, the number one player in the high school class of 2023, senior to be next year, very well could end up at Louisville. And let me just say this. You talk about interesting. How about the number one high school player in America at a time when John Calipari desperately needs a recruiting win, signed, sealed, and delivered to Kentucky until he isn't, and then, oh, by the way, ends up going to his biggest rival at Louisville. So, so nothing is official yet, but we got our first kind of rumor and real strong speculation that Louisville could sneak in the side door and get this kid. So let's get into it and let's discuss. And, and, and as I said, DJ Wagner is the son of Dewan Wagner. Uh, DJ in his own right, we should mention off the top. DJ is just an incredibly, incredibly gifted player. I think I've seen him in person once, but 6'3", 6'4", guard, big guard, can get to the rim, attack, he's strong, he's obviously very advanced for his age because his father played in the NBA, his grandfather played in the NBA, um, and by all accounts, just, just a great kid, humble, I think the parents have done a good job, they've kept him at the local public high school, they're not sending him to all these prep schools all over the country, and he's got to do this, you know, he stayed in his little bubble, he stayed in his lane, and he has developed into the best high school player in the high school class of 2023. Uh, again, big 6'4 guard, um, and in terms of his recruitment, it has essentially not really been a recruitment, okay? Um, 
been been the number one player basically since as long as they've been ranking players, and basically since he has emerged really as a freshman, it has been a foregone conclusion that he was ultimately going to end up at Kentucky. So why Kentucky? Well, his father, Dewan Wagner, not only played for John Calipari at Memphis in the early 2000s, that is a huge part of it, but it is their personal relationship that was deemed that, that, that was deemed like this is why he is going to end up at Kentucky. For people who do not know the backstory, not only was Dewan Wagner one of John Calipari's first big recruits, but he was really the recruit that changed John Calipari's perspective on the one and done and getting players into college and then out of college to the pros. And the reason why was Dewan Wagner comes to Memphis. He has an incredible one season in college basketball, 21 points, almost four assists, one and a half steals per game, and he wants to come back for his sophomore year. And John Calipari says, I'm not letting you come back. You're ready for the league. You are going to leave millions of dollars on the table by deciding to come back. If you do, I'm ripping up your scholarship and you're going pro. And why does that matter? It's because like literally a year, a year and a half later, Dewan Wagner comes down with some very serious illness. His NBA career is never the same. It's limited to just a couple years. He's completely out of the NBA within three or four years. And if John Calipari hadn't done that, if he hadn't pushed the kid out the door, the kid now being the dad I'm talking about, um, the kid makes no money at all from basketball and, and who knows where he is. Instead, he makes some, he has the opportunity to provide for his family, and he's basically set for the rest of his life because of that first contract that he got in the NBA because John Calipari pushes him out the door. If he keeps him at Memphis, if he says, come back, if he says, it's about me, it's not about you, then all of a sudden, the, the Dewan Wagner and the entire Wagner family is in a, a totally different place than where they are now. So that's the relationship with John Calipari's father, and it's something that the family has always appreciated. Dewan Wagner's father himself, the grandfather now of DJ Wagner, I'm talking about Milt Wagner, has even talked about it. We love Coach Cal. Coach Cal, uh, you know, did something for our family that nobody else would have done. We love him. We respect him. And because of it, DJ, and I know I'm, I'm skipping generations here, but DJ, the, the grandson, the player that's the high school player in the class of 2023, it's been deemed forever. He's going to Kentucky because the family relationship with John Calipari is just so, so, so strong. Uh, you know, John Calipari did so much for that family, and nobody else has even recruited DJ over the last couple years. It seems like, you know, Memphis kind of got a visit because that's where Dewan played, and Dewan said all the right things about we're going to let him make his own decision, but it has been a foregone conclusion that he was going to Kentucky forever. Just one thing. There was only one circumstance where it seemed as though it was at least remotely possible that DJ Wagner could end up anywhere other than Kentucky. And it was Louisville, Kentucky's biggest rival, and it was under the very circumstance of if Louisville hired Kenny Payne as the head coach. Why is that? It is because Kenny Payne, you know, we just talked about Dewan, the son, uh, Dewan, the father of DJ, Dewan, the son of Milt Wagner. Well, as it turns out, Milt Wagner, Dewan's dad, so we're now talking three generations. DJ, the top player in the class of 2023, Dewan, who played for Kentucky, the grandfather, Milt Wagner, played at Louisville. And you know who his teammate was? And you know who his best friend was on that team? Oh, I don't know. It was Kenny Payne at Louisville. And so the only circumstance that anyone could see any scenario in which DJ Wagner did not end up at Kentucky playing for John Calipari was if Kenny Payne ended up at Louisville. Well, what happens? Kenny Payne, month ago, gets hired as the Louisville head coach. And for the last couple weeks, there's starting to be all sorts of rumors about DJ Wagner, the grandson, ending up at Louisville. Now, I'll say this. 
couple things. One, first of all, there's been rumors that Milt Wagner, the grandfather, is actually going to be hired at Louisville. Uh, listen, that could happen any day, but I've heard mixed things that it might be true, it might not be true, it might happen, it might not happen. I don't think it is a 100% foregone conclusion. But I bring it up because while it has been basically just internet rumor and Twitter rumor over the last, I don't know, you know, five, six weeks since Kenny Payne got hired, um, Friday was the first day that there was real, real reports, real speculation from real recruiting insiders that DJ Wagner might actually end up at Louisville. And then it crescendoed on Friday when Travis Branham, who I think is as good of a recruiting writer as there is, puts in a crystal ball and he picks Louisville for DJ Wagner. The first official crystal ball pick for DJ Wagner to Louisville by one of the most credible recruiting writers out there that there is. On top of that, On3 Sports put out some report about, you know, it's, it's trending more in the direction of Louisville. I'm just here to tell you, when Travis Branham tells you it's going to be Louisville, and when On3 Sports seems to speculate at the exact same time that Louisville is making up a ton of ground, these guys don't put in those crystal balls unless they know darn well that it's going to go down the way it is. And so DJ Wagner, number one player, high school class of 2023, it looks like he might end up at Louisville. And if he does, oh my goodness, you talk about a thing that would break the Louisville-Kentucky rivalry. I mean, this wouldn't be Duke-Carolina playing in the Final Four. But my goodness, the chaos it would cause in the streets of the Commonwealth. First of all, for Louisville, I'll say this. You know, listen, I, I've been, I, I think, you know, people say I'm a Louisville hater. I think Louisville is one of the great jobs in college basketball. Uh, and I've been saying since Rick Pitino left in, you know, whatever, that it's one of the best jobs and that they just need the right guy. Now, I thought Chris Mack might be the right guy. He clearly wasn't. But you talk about a program that guys like me have been hyping up when Louisville is operating at its highest level. It's one of the best jobs in college basketball. You talk about a thing that could put them back on the map. This is it right here. I mean, you talk about a game-changing, program-changing recruit for Louisville. This changes everything if you get them. Because one, there's a possibility that you have the number one pick in the 2024 NBA draft. Beyond that, you have a, an elite high school player and you can show other high school players, hey, you can come to Louisville, you can come here, be trained, to, you know, be prepared for the NBA, get out of here, be a high pick. Beyond that, and that's, that's huge, obviously, in recruiting, right? Because all the elite players, they want to go to the place where they can get ready for the NBA as fast as possible. That was John Calipari's pitch forever. That's Ben Duke's pitch. That's Penny Hardaway's pitch at Memphis. That's Eric Musselman's pitch at Arkansas. You go on and on down the list. That is the number one pitch to all the top high school players. They want to go to the place that will get them to the league the fastest. And, oh, by the way, if Louisville has the number one pick in 2024, uh, it's going to be the pitch for Louisville going forward as well. Beyond that, I think it just, you know, it's game-changing from the fact that we all know how recruiting works. Other good play players want to play with other good players. And so you start to talk about a scenario where we we're talking about Louisville now. Out of nowhere, they can't do anything in recruiting for years under Chris Mack. All of a sudden, you get the number one high school player in America committed and committed early. Now you're talking about you can surround him with other good players. I don't know enough about recruiting to know who's on Louisville's big board. But when you got a big guard, number one player in the country who makes everybody around him better, I'm sorry. But I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you is that, that he's going to get other good players to come with him. And that, oh, by the way, on top of it is the transfer portal. And then from there, we know how college basketball works. You get DJ Wagner. You get to a Sweet 16, Elite 8, maybe a Final Four. I don't know. 
But all of a sudden now, Louisville becomes the cool school that everybody wants to go to because everybody knows that you can go, you can win there, you can get prepared for the NBA there, you can have success in college there. Like, that's a real important moment in time if Louisville can get this kid. What I would also say is it would be just a disaster for Kentucky. And listen, I, I you know, nobody feels bad for John Calipari, $8.5 million a year. This guy can't catch a break right now, though, right? First of all, the, the St. Peter's thing, listen, there's no excuse for losing to St. Peter's. I'm not going to try to justify it. I'm not going to try to say, oh, they were the best 15th seed ever. They were better than we realized. No. You're John Calipari. You get paid $8.5 million a year. You can't be losing to St. Peter's. But at the same time, everything else, this poor guy cannot catch a break, okay? You have Shaden Sharp, the number one high school player in the class of 2022, so a kid that's supposed to be a senior this year. He ends up reclassifying. He ends up showing up on your campus. He ends up redshirting this year. And I, I'll defend John Calipari to my death on this because I don't think there was ever really a scenario where Shaden Sharp was going to be allowed to play by his camp, by his advisors, by his agent. Whoever is in charge of Shaden Sharp's future was not going to let him play at Kentucky. So they did this song and dance. And listen, I did a separate post a few weeks ago, a separate uh, you know segment about uh, you know, Shaden Sharp, I, I thought that John Calipari publicly could have handled it differently rather than continuing to say, oh, you know, well, we're going to get him ready and he, he's going to lead us out of the tunnel in 2022-2023. Like, I do think there was a way that John Calipari could have presented that better. Uh, but I don't blame John Calipari that the kid never played because I think once he got to campus and once it was clear that he was going to be eligible for this year's NBA draft, there's no way that the camp is going to let him play because he could be a top 10 pick without ever playing. So I will sort of defend John Calipari on this one, but imagine signing the number one high school player in the class of 2022. He shows up on campus, you never play him, and he leaves without ever playing a minute. Then you have the number one player in the class of 2023 signed, sealed, and delivered, except there's this one tiny little scenario where if this happens and then this happens and this happens and then this happens after that, then all of a sudden, you're talking about the fact that you might lose this kid to another school, which just so happens to be your biggest rival, which just so happens to be Kenny Payne, the head coach, who also, oh, by the way, was the former longtime Kentucky assistant. So you just talk about a crazy scenario. But Friday was the day that we got first real, credible, tangible reports that this kid, Dewan Wagner, DJ Wagner, I should say Dewan is the father, DJ Wagner, could end up at Louisville. And I'll just say this, I will be following this recruitment closely. As I said, I am in the interesting business, and this is pretty darn interesting when it comes to college basketball recruiting. With that said, I think it is officially time for me to get out of here. Before I do, though, first of all, I want to thank you guys and girls for your support of the, the show. Uh, April, May, June, always a little bit of a slow time, but you guys and girls are supporting this thing. You guys are supporting this bad boy, letting me know what you like, what you don't like. Uh, and so very much, first of all, thank you for your support. Uh, but fun time of year too also. I, I do think it's a fun time of year where I get to hit on some stuff that uh, I don't normally get to hit on. USFL being the most obvious example maybe to date about things that I just normally wouldn't talk about that I do get a chance to do this time of year. So thank you guys and girls for your support. And I should mention, by the way, um, I say it all the time. If you have questions, we'll do a mailbag segment at some point. You can always feel free to DM me, Aaron Torres podcast, or you can DM me on Twitter or Instagram also, Aaron Torres, podcastquestions at gmail.com. Send segment ideas, send questions, uh, and we'll answer, to, we'll answer them to the best of our abilities. With that said, though, I do think it's time for me to get out of here. Before we do, want to remind you, make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure 
that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions again at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. The YouTube page is blowing up well over 10,000 subscribers, so thank you guys and girls for your support. Uh, And with that said, I think it's time for me to get out of here. So, shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out, JJ Reddick. What up, you F-head? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. If you listen to this show, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I will be back on Wednesday. New episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. See you, people. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.